All right, so let me explain a little bit what you picked up on the bar as you came in, and then we're going to need part of that for our last portion before the Q&A. So uh, the Be United in Christ Foundation produces resources to help Christians love each other. And they have 25 resources that are free for download. They have 12 for sale. And the selling of the 12 pays for the giving away of everything else. But this one particular book, The Three Great Love Commandments, kind of summarizes the biblical basis for our church's identifying logo. And the shorter volume summarizes some of Paul's statements on that. The thicker, larger volume goes into more detail in the Pauline passages. So they're the same one as a little bit of bridge because some people are readers and others aren't. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German theologian and pastor and seminary professor who was martyred. Uh, he died on April 9th, 1945. His parents learned about his death on, B on the BBC broadcast of his memorial service. But he's written one of the more helpful books on being a church community called Life Together and highly recommend it. But for those, again, who aren't readers, or sometimes it's just nice to have cliff notes, uh, this is a summary of that book that will, I think, give you some insightful thoughts on what it is we're trying to do. You also have a list of ministries in the church. So our conviction, based on our ecclesiology and soteriology, our view of the church and salvation, is that every Christian should be an active, committed member of a local church. And if you were to say, well, what does that look like in Denia right now? These are our ministries with brief descriptions, along with their heads, the, the director over them, and the contact information on the back. So one of the questions we ask all people applying for membership to fill out is, where would you like to serve in this coming season? In our original version, it said, what are your spiritual gifts and training and experiences? But then we realized that those can be broad and a little bit vague, and sometimes people interpret those differently. So now we just try to say, here's our ministries. Where would you like to serve currently? Now, there's a season where sometimes you just need to be served. And in our interview with each person, sometimes people are coming and there's wounds or there's hurts or there's exhaustion or there's such enormous needs in their life that really they just need to be served. And that's great for a season. But every Christian has a spiritual gift because every Christian has a role to play in the local church. And those different gifts have different outlets. So these are the ways currently this will be a growing list. But we don't want to be the church that has 12 pages of ministries, that everybody's frantically busy. As much as possible, we'd like to keep it simple. We'd like to keep it clean. We don't want to be over busy and overbearing. But everybody should be involved at some point, and this is what you can get involved in and who you contact to do it. There was a signature page, and we'll get into this in a little bit, that's separate because it's stapled into your Constitution of Bylaws. But if you don't want to tear it apart to get it where you sign and submit, this is something that's just separate. And then we do have the Constitution and Bylaws, and we give this out to every prospective member because we just want full disclosure. We want to fully explain this is what we believe, this is what we do, this is why we do it. And then once you've read this and filled out the membership application, an elder or Chris or I, uh, I'm both pastor and elder, Chris will be, but uh, he may also do an interview. They'll meet with you one-on-one, -on -one, and that's partly so that we can hear your story. 
and find out what God has done in your life. Hear your testimony. But it's also so that you can interview us. And you know, I've noticed here that you do this. I've never seen that before. Why do you do that? Well, what about this? We just want there to be open disclosure. Everyone has full information and no ugly surprises on the other side. So that's why we ask everybody to read this before we meet with you. Not for our sake, but so that you can know what to ask us. And then we'll meet. So that's the final stages of this. Is This is the informational meeting. Then if you haven't done so already to read through the bylaws of Constitution, to fill out an application online, and Becca can help you do that now and show you how to do that, then when we get that application, we'll contact you to set up a meeting. And if it's a husband and wife, then normally it'll be a husband and wife meeting with you. And we just want to hear your story, your testimony, answer your questions. And then if we say, do you still want to be a member? If you say yes, then you sign an agreement, and then the elders vote on that. And it's on a Wednesday morning, I said, uh, not can I met with the Swaggerts, and they are both believers in Jesus Christ, and they want to become members of Dean Community Church. And we officially vote you in, sign you in, and then you get a letter from me saying, welcome to the family. And you're so grateful that God has brought you to this particular family. Your elder and your primary point of contact will be Dave Brown. Here's his contact information. And then I normally invite you to read scripture and pray on a Sunday morning and then to be presented at the end of service. That's not a requirement. Some people were concerned, I don't want to read in public. I don't want to pray in public. That's not a requirement. It's just an opportunity for lots of people to serve in that way. And then the presentation is so that in a growing family, not everyone's going to meet every individual that comes in. And so we just want the opportunity to give a brief introduction of brief biographical information. It's not a ministry resume. What I do is I'll say, on this coming Sunday, we'll be in this text, would you like to read scripture and pray? And who would like to do what? And if you are okay with me presenting you at the end, would you please share with me what biographical information you want me to share? So I ask you what you want me to say. I don't just decide I'm going to reveal whatever I care to talk about. And then we do that. You don't have to do that if you don't want to. But it's a nice way for the family to realize, oh, there's a new member of the family. I want to come and get to know them. Any questions about that side of it before we now get into some of the nitty-gritty details of becoming a member? Okay. Well, if you would, please open up to page 15. And I want to read through this word for word because this is the mechanics of becoming a member. I want to make sure that there's no questions as y'all leave here today. This is in Article 6 on membership. All Christians are members of the household of God, the body of Christ, and the temple of the Holy Spirit, the one holy, universal, apostolic church. Biblically speaking, if you're a Christian, you're a church member. Local church membership is just the way that we express that, enjoy that, exercise that. They enjoy and express these memberships through their identification with, commitment to, and active participation in a local church community. Therefore, because we believe the Bible teaches this, Dini Community Church shall have formal church membership as a means of enjoying and expressing our membership in God's family, Christ's body, and the Spirit's temple. The DCC elders have the authority and responsibility to define and uphold the biblical qualifications for membership, to evaluate and approve candidates for membership, to determine which roles and activities should be limited to certain members, 
and to oversee and spiritually shepherd the members and discipline and restore members should the need arise. Uh, many of y'all may come from Bible church traditions where there's not a strong emphasis on church membership historically. And some people without that strong tradition will say, well, why should I become a member? And why are you making a big deal of this? Why be formal? And one of the answers for that for churches today is in our current legal environment in a culture that is hostile to Christianity is it's legally challenging to exercise standards of morality and theology on someone who's not a member. And so uh, there's a reason that Sam's and Costco makes you become a member. There's a reason that the Denton Country Club makes you become a member and then here's how you could remove to be a member. Every group has the right to define what that membership looks like and then the rules that everybody agrees to buy, abide by. And churches are needing to do that more and more because if not, they get sued. And there are those, as I mentioned last Sunday, who sometimes maliciously try to enter into a church to create lawsuits. So to protect themselves and the family, you know, we require background checks of everyone who's working with our children. You didn't do that 30 years ago, but you do that now. And there's other things that we do, and it's for protecting the family is why we're doing some of this. So what does it take to qualify for membership at DCC? First of all, you must be a Christian. So you need to be a member of the universal church in order to be a member of the local church. So that means you have repented of your sins, embraced Jesus Christ as your savior, and you are a regenerate member of the body of Christ. So there is an orthodox confession that's part of that, and then that should be seen in the testimony of a transformed life, a growth in holiness, a growth in love, because God is holy and God is love, and his children grow in likeness to their father over time. Secondly, to be baptized. We do not believe that baptism saves. We do not believe that baptism is necessary for salvation. That's not why we require it. We require it because Jesus does. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them. So it's not a matter of salvation, it's a matter of obedience. Uh, and sometimes people have just never been baptized even though they're later in life. Others were baptized as infants. So what do you do if you are baptized as an infant? And that could be Methodist, Lutheran, Catholic, Orthodox. There's a large, large number of traditions that did that. I'll have a conversation with you and say, what do you understand that baptism to be? Because even though I believe the Bible is very clear that it teaches adult believers baptism, I also realize that I'm in the minority position in that, in terms of church history. So I have enough respect for John Calvin, Jonathan Edwards, Martin Luther, and Augustine that if they all think it's okay to baptize babies, I need to at least have a conversation with someone. <laughs> that I, I, so if someone says, the Bible doesn't allow me to be rebaptized. I believe that my baptism as a baby was my baptism. And here's why I believe that. I'm going to honor that. I'm going to respect that. But I want to have the conversation with you because there's confusion over what it is and isn't. Uh, in the last four months, there's an 82-year-old couple in the church, Ben and Bobby Watson, who became uh, members. They were baptized as babies in Louisiana 82 years ago. And they've come now to believe that that was not baptism. And so we baptized them. And it was kind of fun because Singing Oak Church of Christ loaned us their baptistry. And that's the baptistry that Dave and I were baptized in. So I was there baptizing this 82-year-old couple in the same baptistry that I was baptized in. But if you have not been baptized, we would like you to be baptized. Now, again, if there's a medical reason or something like that, we'll have the conversation, but we believe that's a biblical requirement. Jesus said, we obey Jesus. 
if there's an infant baptism, we talk about it. So let me just pause. Are there any questions on that? On the baptism question? The way we do baptisms in the absence of a facility is we have done them at pools if it's summer. When it's not summer in Texas, uh, we've used the facility of another church. And then we hope to be in Dent Baptist Temple by Christmas. And then they have a baptistry that we'll begin using. But when we get a certain number of people, we take requests. We have a membership, a baptism class. And then we baptize. And it's a joy celebration of what God does. Thirdly, to be in agreement with Dean Community Church's foundational and fundamental doctrines. Basically, that you are an evangelical Protestant. You don't have to believe exactly the eschatology that we do, other than you have to believe what all Christians believe, that Jesus is coming back to judge the quick and the dead. You don't have to believe exactly our form of church polity, but you do have to be willing to submit to it. So we want to be broad enough to respect differences of opinion, recognizing that they're there, but we also want to be very upfront, but here's what we believe. So we do ask you to hold the first two levels of doctrine that Chris talked about. And then finally, to be living in a biblical manner that demonstrates love for God, Christians, and others. If someone is living in open immorality and disobedience to God, then we want that addressed because one of the things we do as God's children is agree to obey our Heavenly Father. And there's no specific list of rules of misdemeanors or felonies or infractions. We're all aspiring to obey God. And if you're in open flagrant disobedience with God in a severe way, then we want to talk about that. And that could prevent you from joining a fellowship that's specifically pursuing holiness. If you've just made the decision, I don't want to be holy at all. Those are the qualifications. So how do we begin to move through making sure people have those qualifications? We ask that you complete the membership instruction. You're doing that today. To sign the membership agreement and fill out the application. To share your testimony with an elder or a staff member. And then we want you to be able to ask us any questions that you have, and then we officially approve it as elders. We then ask you the membership agreement is basically asking you to commit to loving God, loving other Christians, and loving our non-Christian neighbors, because that's what we do as a church. Uh, if you were to join the Republican Party, they would tell you their platform and say, do you agree with this? If you join the Democratic Party, here's their platform, do you agree with this? If you don't agree with it, you wouldn't join that party. And so we're just trying to be very upfront with this. Here's what we mean by that specifically. To love God, we affirm his word. We believe what it teaches. We obey his commands. We participate financially in the work. And we gather regularly to worship him on the Lord's day, physically if possible, electronically if not. We do have some families that still due to medical sensitivities don't feel safe in a public gathering but they're joining us online. But we don't think that online is a good option if you could come physically, because having a FaceTime camera at the Thanksgiving meal isn't the same as being at the table. There's just something about being together as a family. By loving one another, we mean participating actively in the family, praying for the church family, serving the church family, and then keeping the one another commands of scripture. And those are given to you in the bylaws of constitution. There are a number of things that talk about encouraging one another, praying for one another, helping one another, edifying one another. It's community life. This is what it means to be a loving family. We do these things. Uh, Y'all probably seen that, walked into a household. Dave, you've got it. What is it? In this household, we give second chances, laugh, forgive, whatever. And it's just an announcement to everybody. Here at this house, we don't 
you know, cuss each other out, make sarcastic. It's just the rules of the household. We want to be a loving family. That's what we're trying to do. And we love others, meaning non-believers, by welcoming them. Whoever walks in that door will be welcomed. It doesn't matter their hair color, their piercings, their tattoos. If it's a dangerous individual, potentially, the watchman will welcome them. But we will welcome whomever God sends. Because we just want to love everybody. They're all made in God's image. They're all valuable. They're all worthy of love. We want to serve them. You know, however we can, we want to be a help. I was talking to someone recently that they're looking for work. Their husband's looking for work. They have no intention of coming to the church, but it's like, I know some people in those trades. If you care to give me your resume and an email address, I'll reach out and see if I can help you. That's just what Christians do. We just, we help each other. We serve people. We pray for them. And God willing, we share with them the good news of Jesus Christ. We love them enough to tell them the good news that will save their soul and that will transform their life. Any questions on the process or the commitments? All right. Now let's talk about discipline, which has a negative connotation. The Greek word is just training. You know, you train up a child in the way that he should go. When he gets old, he doesn't depart from it. Uh, we taught our children to say please and thank you. And if they didn't, uh, they could ask again in a couple of minutes and try and ask the proper way. You know, we didn't rant and rave. We just, you forgot to ask properly, but come back in a minute and you can try again. And now they always say please and thank you. Well, we want to be able to maintain the health of a church. And discipline is the way that we do this. So let me read through this because this is sometimes a concerning area. Church discipline is commanded by Christ and therefore will be exercised at being a community church. Jesus is our head. He tells us to exercise discipline, so we will exercise discipline because we follow orders. Church discipline is an act of love. Love for God in obeying his will. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Love for the church and protecting it from sin. If there's a person involved in dangerous, harmful activities, it's unloving to allow that to go on without addressing it. Love for others by preserving the church's witness. If we don't preserve a certain amount of love and holiness and morality, it discredits our testimony to the community and the good we're trying to do. And love for the offending member who is making choices harmful to him or herself and to others. And so uh, when someone came in today, they said, hey, my spouse is homesick. Do you think I should even be here? They didn't want to come unless they get someone else sick. Well, that was an act of discipline. I have something that's harming me. It might be harmful to you, and I, I love the family enough to not bring that in there. And sometimes our behavior can be that way. We want to love the person well enough to say, hey, if you keep, <laughs> I'm sorry, I just had this flash of one of David's friends lost a bet, and he had to drink, was it a whole jar of vinegar? Oh, Long John Silver's. Long John Silver's, he, he lost a bet, he had to drink. And so he had to, and it did terrible things to his body. If I see a brother about to jug a whole thing of vinegar, I love him up and say, you know, brother, can I get you a tea instead? <laughs> you know, you shouldn't do that. It's not unloving to tell someone to stop doing a harmful behavior. Amen. It's not unloving. Uh, people will sometimes come and say, hey, I noticed your tire's a little bit flat. Uh, we have a friend who's a physician, and she sometimes come up to someone at a grocery store line saying, uh, I'm a physician, and you might want to get that mole looked at. I, I would recommend you go to your physician. And that's an act of love. And so if we see someone that's mistreating their children, mistreating their spouse, mistreating just people, doing harmful behavior, it's not unloving to say, hey, brother, sister, that, that's going to be harmful to you and others. 
let me love you enough to tell you that. I remember one time, do you remember Cynthia Cobb? So Dave and I were involved in Campus Crusade in college. And <laughs> Cynthia Cobb, we were at some big event, and she came out, and she was a big personality. She did stand-up comedy later. And she said, nobody in the world loves me. And we're all kind of looking at her, and she goes, I've had spinach in my teeth the whole night, and you haven't told me. And I've been walking around like this, and no one's told me. And, you know, it's loving to say you got spinach in your teeth. That's not a bad thing. The goal of discipline is not hateful nor punitive. It's restorative. It's restorative. Members who repent of their sin and are restored to fellowship are to be forgiven, comforted, and reassured of the church's love. My wife is the school nurse at Borman. There are times that kids are engaged in behavior that gets them uh, removed from school for a season. But the goal is to get them back as soon as possible. And when they come back, they're embraced, they're loved. What can I do to help you catch it up? It's not punitive. It's just right now, until this is addressed, you can't safely be among the other students. So let's try to address it. I want to help. And as soon as you can, come back in and join in. Church members who refuse to repent may have their sin reported and their membership rescinded. Uh, that's just biblical categories. Sometimes people need to be made aware, and we don't do this lightly. As much as possible, you try to just do it, communicate it among the people that are involved. But sometimes the body needs to know, hey, how comes John isn't in class anymore? Well, John's been suspended. He's going to be gone the rest of the semester. That's not defaming his character. That's just alerting people what's going on. Some reasons for conducting church discipline include, but are not limited to, and these are specific biblical examples, rejecting biblical instruction, being divisive, teaching falsehood, disorderliness, or sexual immorality. If there's a sexual predator in the church, we're going to remove him from the church. That's just to protect everybody, including them. The DCC elders have the ultimate authority and responsibility to discipline, restore, and remove DCC members according to relevant scripture guidelines. If a member departs from DCC while under church discipline and attends another church or ministry, the DCC elders may inform that church or, or leadership of the disciplinary action along with the grounds for that action. Uh, I've had calls from other pastors saying, hey, I hear that so-and-so is starting to come to your church. FYI, here's some things you might be wrong on the watch out for. And that's not defamation, that's not slander, that's not gossip. That's just one teacher saying to another teacher, hey, this fifth grade student going to your sixth grade class, here's some things that would be helpful for you to know about them to better serve them and protect the class. It's not done lightly, but it's, it's helpful to protect people. Another question, John. Yeah. Um, when I hear may, yeah. why isn't it we will? Because scripturally it's not we will. I mean, if, if someone is in sin, you go to them. If they don't listen, you bring two or three others. Right. And then if that, so there's a whole process. Right. And, and the goal is, th that's right. If it's May, yeah. Because I'm reading this as being the last. Well, that, that's just where the, there needs to be some room for discretion of what's the appropriate okay. thing to address. Okay. And again, the goal is loving restoration and protection. And so what needs to be shared versus what would be unhelpful to share. <laughs> And so even as a young church, we've had some things happen that are, are, are just shocking and they don't need to be widely known, but they, they need to be addressed and known by the parties involved. And that's a case-by-case -case judgment call that we take very seriously, talk about, pray about, and may make mistakes on, if so, we'll apologize and try to do it right. But think of a, a, a classroom. So 
every week my wife has kids come into the classroom that have been punched, hit, kicked, stabbed with pencils, various things, and or kids that are doing harmful behavior to themselves. And as a nurse, she cares for those students enough to try to address those behaviors because that's the school's responsibility. And if you tell the teacher, hey, this child has this medical condition that you need to be aware of so that they don't eat other kids' food and drink, that's not slander or gossip. That's just protecting people. And to go to a parent to say your child has lice and DISD guidelines are until the lice are dead or gone, they can't be among other students. Here's how we can help you in that. That's not hateful, hurtful, or wrong. That's just loving care for the community. We're a community. We're trying to take loving care of the community. And sometimes when people are harming the community, we try to address it as, as we need to. I guess sometimes when people are harming, yeah. it's the sometimes. If they're harming, wouldn't you want to... It, it, it depends on the case. Because they may not know that they are. But then they'll just come and talk to the person. And I'll tell you, I've had multiple people come to me and say, Hey, John, are you okay? You seem to be stumbling over your, your, your speech more than you do. Are you getting enough sleep? Well, that's not critical and harsh. That's just, I love them for loving me enough to, to make me aware of it. But it's case by case on, on what's required and necessary. And now we come to the, any questions that you have on anything that we've talked about. But again, we'll also be, for those of you applying for membership, meeting with you one-on-one, -on -one where we can ask any questions personally that you care to go into. But we can also, if you think it's a general interest of the group, happy to address it now. Yes, Tony. Yeah. So the question was, could I elaborate a little bit on factiousness and divisiveness? And those are terms that come from Titus. And Paul says, rebuke a factious person, and if they don't respond to the rebuke, you may need to remove them. There are some people who are just divisive. And it could be because they're so contentious, because they gossip, because they slander. If, if an athletic team had a divisive player that was ruining the whole team, that would become an ex-player. If a company had someone that was so politically activistic that it was disruptive to the workplace, they would be an ex-employee. And so, yeah. John, could you maybe elaborate a little more on maybe divisiveness versus uh, Disagreement that's healthy, or yeah, said, coming to you something. yeah. So, people can have dis differing opinions on subjects, and we can disagree with one another, but we can do that in a non divisive way and without demonizing the other person. So, one of the things that we don't do as a church is make political advocacy statements from the pulpit. We don't say, Here's the official party of Dini Community Church, we don't say, Go vote for this candidate. We say God wants us to be good citizens, so be informed and involved citizens. Here's where you can go to be informed and involved, but we're not a political organization. That's what we do when we leave church. If someone were politically, and, and there's, there's people of both parties, different views, different candidates that they support, some that are more animated about certain issues, we can accept all that, as long as they don't make it a divisive, contentious issue that's causing fissures in the church. And then we have to address it. And to say, hey, I appreciate your passion and your zeal. Let's not pass out the brochures here, here you know, now. Let's not peel off that person's bumper sticker. Let's not post this or whatever. And a historical practical example is, um, if you hadn't noticed that COVID created a tad bit of division on perspectives of how to handle that, and within our own body, 
we have very strong opinions and informed opinions on that. And I can't tell you how well Bobby did. They came to the elders, they presented perspectives, they presented data, but what nobody did was accuse, ostracize, embarrass, make their make that their agenda when Christ is here to be exalted. Yeah. And so it was a real issue that people talked through that the unity of the body took precedent, the glory of God took precedent. And, and it was just a wonderful example in a really hard season yeah. of people I think following that love. No, it's a great example. Unity is a hard thing between spouses, between households, between parents and kids. I mean, between athletic, it's really hard. And so we got to work really hard at it. Anything else? John, there's a paragraph in when you talk about what it means to lead because there are seasons. Yeah. Lead, maybe the perspective. Yeah, so uh, I want to make sure I understand you mean like the dolmens? Exactly. Yeah. Because I think it's unique yeah. and not everybody is seen that way. Yeah. I think our request would be when yeah. seasons change. Yeah. It's not a disappearance of, but it's more of. So um, people move churches for legitimate reasons. And sometimes God may have you here at Denia for a season and then move you on. And we just want you to be where God wants you to be. And so uh, there was a family that had uh, teenagers at the time. And still, we didn't have a large, dynamic teenage program that they felt their children really needed at that time. And so they were going to go to another church that had a stronger youth program, a larger youth program. And so we talked to them and said, we fully understand that. And I know the pastor that you're going to. It's a great church. I highly recommend it. But would you allow us to send you out and pray over you? As opposed to what normally happens is someone just leaves. And then about three weeks later, it's like, man, I haven't seen Bob and Joan in a while. And then you know, six weeks later, you find out they've done whatever. And so they came up. They allowed us on a midweek meeting. We presented them. We talked about their two years with us, how thankful we were and all the things that they had done, where they were going, why they were going, our full support of their going. And then we prayed over them. And it was wonderful. And the husband is still on Dave's uh, Tuesday group sometimes. God will bring them to mind, and I'll shoot them a text saying, hey, you've just been prayed for. I hope all's well with you and your family. It doesn't have to be a big deal, but we're a family, and if you do leave, we'd like to know it, and then in, as appropriate to bring it to the group's attention so that everybody else knows. We fully understand, and that's fine. Yeah. Thanks, Dave. That's a great point. Dave, anything else you want to add? You're one of the founding elders and members. This is just God's do something sweet here. I mean, so when we were still on the uh, hypothetical stage, my Uncle Charles had a breakfast at Cafe Brazil for some of the Brown clan to talk about what we were going to do. And he's done a lot in a little time. And he's guided us through COVID and social justice and political elections and all the stuff. And by God's grace... He's allowed us to love him, one another, and others well. And our involvement in Borman grows every semester. And our outreach in the community grows every semester. And God continues to bring a regular stream of beautiful people that we're so excited to get to know and see them use their gifts to serve their God. It's sweet. It's wonderful. And we're very grateful to be privileged to be a part of what God's doing here in this church. So if there's no other questions, um, if you want to have Becca help you up with WhatsApp, Church Center, application, she'll stay here for a little bit. Charles and Karen, thank you so much for opening up your beautiful home and making the space available. Thank you all for coming and giving such attention on a Saturday morning with long periods of monologues. Uh, really the ball's in y'all's courts now.
Uh, if you would like to apply, if so, fill out the application. We'll reach out to you. We'll have the interview. And we welcome all that. We encourage all that. We don't pressure any of that because everybody moves at their own pace, and we respect that. If you have questions, feel free to ask them of myself, of Dave, of Chris, of any of the elders. And Dave, would you mind closing us in prayer? Well, I end with that oh, yes, Linda. Just one more question. If you could go over again what Yes. So we have, one of the ways that our church communicates is through an app called WhatsApp. And we have different channels on it. One is kind of the general WhatsApp prayer channel, and that's the way most people just interact on a daily basis. And it could be everything from, would you please pray for my uncle, he's going into surgery, to I'm giving away a trundle bed, does anybody need it? There's a Dina News channel, and that's for people who don't want their phone pinging, but just want to say, I, I just want to know when the men's event is tonight. Just tell me where it is, where it's at. And then there's a women channel because some some of the ladies felt more comfortable just sharing on a smaller. But that's how we communicate midweek as a church. Uh, church Center, we use a, a software program called Planning Center for our database. And we use it to do things like checking kids in at Dini Kids. But the way that that operates on our device is through an app called Church Center. And so if I wanted to bring a meal to the Swaggerts after the birth of their new baby, who's been amazing. Has that not been the most amazing baby? of all well then those who choose to disclose that information can do it on church center so this is going to be our electronic directory and then the third thing is the application that we fill out online so that we can just have a record of that and that lets those who are doing the interview know who to contact how to contact them and where to go to meet we prefer to do those in homes because we'd like to just see where people live or we'll host them in our home but uh, we'll do whatever's comfortable and best but there's something about a home that's more intimate and warm, and it can be yours or ours. We just want to get to know you and let you get to know us. Ron, I failed to thank you. Ask me to mention the men's gathering tonight. So for okay. any of you who haven't signed up, there's a men's gathering, uh, cookout, testimony, pool party tonight. Information's on WhatsApp, on the web, you can register there if you haven't already. And then as you think about it, if you care to send an email, this is the first time we've done a single session membership class. Our next one will be October 15th. If there's feedback and input you have, uh, you know, more of Chris, less of John, or whatever it is, uh, the, the, that was unnecessary. More of this would have been helpful. If we had had this in advance, it would have been anything that would make this better next time. One of the things we value as a church is always improving. And we just kind of want the coffee hotter and the donuts sweeter every week. We just want to be doing things better. So if there's things that we can do to do this better, please let Chris or I know, and we'll, we'll incorporate those in our October class. All right. Now, Dave, would you close us in prayer? Yes, sir.